All right, take your Bibles with me and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 31. 1 Samuel 31 tonight. Last week we were able to close the book on the narrative of David in the, the book of 1 Samuel 30 there and, uh, and saw that it was a happy ending for him, but really the ending of the book of 1 Samuel is not a happy ending when it comes to the narrative of Saul as Saul's, Saul is going to receive the judgment uh, that he heard foretold by Samuel there. And it's going to be a very sad day that takes place in the life of Saul, uh, one who is still not willing to look to the Lord in faith, who's not asking for mercy. And they've come back now to, to that camp. They, if you remember, Saul now had turned away from the witch of Endor, had to travel back down 56 miles back towards uh, the mountainside where that great battle was going to take place in the Mount of Gilboa. And so he comes back and, and, and this battle is getting ready to be had. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 31 there. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in the Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melchushua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through, and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. Father, I just ask that you would take uh, this short time here tonight, or would you take the negative example of Saul's life, and with it teach us how to properly seek after you. Lord, we thank you for what you'll do here tonight with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Here at the end of Saul's life, we see because of his sin, all he sees now is the judgment of God that was foretold by Samuel when, when, when God brought him up. And Saul's not living a life of faith. In fact, look at the end of verse 4 again. It says, therefore, Saul took a sword and fell upon it. It's interesting to note that the way Saul lived a majority of his reign, and, and, and to be honest and to be fair to Saul, we don't see all the details of his reign in the Bible, but the way he lived a majority of it was by taking things into his own hands. And here we see at the end of his life, he does the same exact thing. He knows what Samuel has told him. He knows what God is, this is the judgment of God, and he again takes things into his own hands by killing himself. And uh, sadly, it wasn't just Saul that fell on that day. Let's look at verse 5. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men that same day together. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley... And that were on the other side of Jordan saw that the men of Israel fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead. They forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. So the men of Israel are falling all around the battlefield. And now those, those that are on the other sides of the river, they're seeing 
Saul and all of his men are, are dead. They're fleeing, for the, they're fleeing for the mountains, fleeing for the hills. And the, the Philistines end up pushing them out and dwelling in the cities that, that God had given them. Dwelling in, taking over the land that they were supposed to be dwelling in. Verse 8, And it came to pass on the morrow, that when the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And now we're going to find if, 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 if the, taking the cities wasn't, wasn't bad, what was worse is what they did to Saul's body. Verse 9, And they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people and put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth and they fastened his body to the wall of Beth Shen. And they took, they took Saul's armor and they put it in this, in this house of, of their goddess to, to ultimately, before all of the people, defy the one true God. They, they put it in their, their house of worship to, to make known to all of those people that, that they had beaten somehow the one true God. And that didn't sit well with the Israelites. Look at verse 11. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which, was, which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. And that ends the story of Saul's life as, as seen in the Bible. The, as, as their bodies are being burnt in the Old Testament, that was often a, a sign of judgment. And uh, that's not what these men are doing here. When they went to recover the bodies of, of uh, Saul and his sons, what they're trying to do is not allow the enemy to... to to go after and, and flaunt their bodies around any longer. But it's interesting that we go all, I mean, you can go back to the book of Joshua and Achan and his family. God judged them, and because of that, their bodies were burnt, all of them, because of Achan's sin. And here, it's ironic that his life ends this way, not because these men were trying to do it, but because this was a sign of the judgment of God, and this was exactly what was happening to Saul at this time, was the judgment of God was being played out because Saul would not turn to the mercy of the Lord. I want us to keep our finger here in 1 Samuel because we're going to come back here at the end, but turn over to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 10. The story of Saul is not finished unless you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 10, because there we see God, through the historical narrative, giving us three reasons why he judged Saul. Three reasons that Saul was not able to truly seek God, and by looking at these, we're going to find application for our own lives, because those same three things can be hindrances in your life to truly seeking God. Let's look there. 1 Chronicles chapter 10 and look at verse 13 and 14. It says, So Saul died for his transgression which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord which he kept not. 
and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. The first thing that we find right there of, the, of these three reasons that God judged Saul was that Saul was self-willed. Saul was, was wanting to do his own thing. Look at verse 13. It says, For his transgression which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord which he kept not. Simply put, bottom line it, he didn't obey God. In 1 Samuel 15, when God told him to destroy all of the Amalekites and to leave nothing, what did Saul choose to do? Keep the best of everything. Keep the best of the sheep and the, and the, and the cattle for sacrifices. And he spared King Agag of, of the Amalekites. And that was not what God told him to do. And so Saul chose his own will over the word of the Lord. Any time that you and I choose to not obey God, we are being self-willed. And that is a huge hindrance to our growing and our walking with our God That's, and, and others. We, we can't truly walk with others and lead others in the way of the Lord and in a relationship with God if our life is one of being self-willed. Anytime you don't obey God, you're being self-willed. And it's the reverse as well. If you're being self-willed, you're not obeying God. It's going to hinder your relationship and being able to grow with God. The second thing that the Bible tells us here is that he inquired of a familiar spirit. He inquired of the witch at Endor. Look at the end of verse 13. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. See, God did give credit to Saul in his word back in that chapter about how he drove out all of the witches, all the familiar spirits out of the land that, that, that God had, had commanded him to do. But when it was time for Saul himself to hear God and to get desperate before God and to, and to turn to God's mercy, instead of, of seeking him and inquiring of him fully, he went to see if these spirits could help him. God's desire for Saul was in that moment to humble himself and so that he would be lifted up. But he didn't. He had pride. And so God tells us very clearly in his word, if, if, if we have pride, God, God resists the proud. He stiff arms the proud. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. Where do you find your wisdom from where do you look for uh, where do you look for wisdom when you need wisdom in your life when it comes to to life and godliness do we look to the creator in full dependence on him to meet every single one of our our needs true wisdom only comes from the one true god and what Satan often does in our lives is he will subtly come in and try to snatch away our dependence from God in looking in, in things that can subtly come into our lives that take away our dependence from God, the God of all wisdom, and focus it to some sort of wisdom in our human sphere, a counterfeit. A counterfeit 
is anything in our life that takes our dependence, our look, our focus away from God in seeking for wisdom and puts it in our human sphere. And if we don't have all dependence on God then we and on his wisdom, then we are going to be hindered in our walk with God, just as Saul was. We should take it, we should take heed because this is this is something that God says that He slew Saul for. This was something that He killed Saul for, for looking to somewhere else other than God for wisdom. I'm not saying that God's going to do that to you tonight, or that God's not going to be long suffering to you, but we should take it very seriously that God takes seriously looking somewhere else for wisdom other than Him. The third thing that he says that he judged that he slew Saul for was in verse 14, and inquired not of the Lord. Now you might say, but pastor, didn't we, didn't we see back in 1 Samuel that he did inquire of the Lord? And that's where we're going to go back there. Look, go back to 1 Samuel, and we're going to go back to chapter 28. 1 Samuel 28. First Samuel 28.6 says, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. You say, isn't that a seeming contradiction in the Bible? No, it's not. Because we know fully that the Bible, God's word, never contradicts itself. So what do we need to understand here? While it's a seeming contradiction, here we need to realize that in First Chronicles, although it's a, a, a historical narrative, First Chronicles is a book known to take the, the historical narrative and focus on the spiritual aspects of people's lives. And by doing that, what do we find? We find a great truth because of this emphasis in First Chronicles. We find that Saul, did, did Saul physically inquire of God? What's the answer? Yes, but First Chronicles is pointing out that he didn't really inquire of God. First Chronicles is pointing out that a Christian can go through the motions of inquiring with God, but when there's hidden sin in our life, what does the Bible tell us? If I regard iniquity in my heart, go ahead and finish the verse, the Lord will not hear me. And that's, that's exactly what's happening here that First Chronicles is bringing out to us. And herein lies the, the third hindrance in our walk with God. When we seek to worship God and inquire of the Lord, we need to seek to worship Him and inquire of Him in spirit and in truth. And Saul did not inquire of the Lord in truth. He had, he had untruth, sin in his life, he was lying to himself that he was right with God and that he could really meet with God. And at that point, it's all a show. And that's the same way it is in our life. If there's hidden sin, if there's something in between us and God, if there's not a clean channel, then all of our inquiry of the Lord, it's all a show. Just like it was in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 24 through 26, Saul is trying to convince Samuel to come back with him and to worship with him. And to, and, to, and to pray to God for him. And he says in verse 24 of chapter 15, And Saul said to Samuel, 
I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Again, he's lying about them. It was Saul's will doing this. Verse 25, Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And that is really the sad ending to Saul's life in chapter 31 of of 1 Samuel. And it brings us to a very serious application in our own lives. Is that we can say all day that we're serving the Lord, that we're, uh, we're inquiring of Him, but if there is known sin in our life, then we are fooling ourselves. We are lying to ourselves. We're praying to a made-up God in our mind that is somehow winking or okay with our sin. And that's not right. That is not truth. And God commands that we worship Him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to quote that verse one more time, Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity, if I regard, if I take hold of, if I harbor known sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And sin hinders our seeking the wisdom of God. So these three hindrances that we see at the end of Saul's life here, being self-willed, seeking wisdom that is not from above, and trying to seek God with known sin blocking the way, those are three things that we need to go to God and say, Lord, would you keep me? Would you allow your grace and your mercy to so work in my life that I avoid these pitfalls? Because those three things are, are what God said very seriously that he slew Saul for, that he, his judgment came down on a man that I believe we're going to see in heaven. And God's saying those three things are going to make you useless in the work of the Lord. So may the Lord help us, give us grace to see these hindrances taken out of our lives. And if the Lord shows us that we're somehow acting like a Saul, the Lord would deliver us from that. Let's pray. Father, would you give us the grace to, to Lord, as you reveal things in our life, as you, you do a good job of, Lord, as, as the husbandman, and working in our life and cutting away things. Lord, would you help us to faithfully humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, Lord, that you can exalt us. And so, Lord, would you, if there's any pride here tonight, Lord, in folks' lives, as you reveal that, Lord, would we be faithful to you to, to, to give you the benefit of the doubt to work in our lives. Lord, we love you tonight, and Lord, as we go to prayer, Lord, I pray that tonight channels would be clean so that we can truly seek you as a corporate body. In Jesus' name, amen.